Remain standing just a moment. Well, there is nothing like the body of Christ and the family of God. I have no bones to pick with anybody, but I will boldly, unashamedly, without reservation say, I love the United Pentecostal Church. I thank God for our fellowship. I thank God for times like this. The highest compliment that could be given to you is so many ministers that have come tonight from all over the world because the greatest possession we have is time. And for them to spend perhaps one evening that they finally got free and to come share this evening with you speaks volume of their love, their respect, and admiration for you, your family, and this great church. The moral of the story which you heard them say is this. If you're going to come visit me, make sure Patsy's there. <laughs> Next time you see her, tell her I said that I can use the points. Don't ever come visit us if she's not there because... She keeps it all together. I could immediately spot that Brother and Sister Kyle were wonderful people of conscientiousness, integrity, apostolic calling, and anointing. And it was a thrill to have them pass by Raleigh in their fledgling years of evangelism to share in that moment with them and then to come stand here tonight and see how God has honored their ministry, their commitment, devotion, and dedication it's a high privilege to stand here this afternoon with all of you. I commend you. I commend this church. I commend all the friends who have come to celebrate with them. It's a high honor and privilege. I'll be brief in my pre-message words. You know, I learned this many, many years ago by having Brother Fred Hyde preach for us uh, one time. He came by our church. And, you know, after a man's been in the church for a while, the church becomes like the man. Which means when you come to Raleigh, if you say something funny, they're going to laugh. They're going to enjoy. They don't mean to be evil or mean to you, but they're going to laugh. So Fred Hyde gets up and he says, Now before I preach, I want to say something. And that's exactly what our church did. When he said, before I preach, I want to say something. And being smart at it, it's like their pastor, they doubled over in hilarious laughter. So I've, I learned from him, before I preach, I'd like to make some remarks. <laughs> but I will limit my remarks tonight because so many wonderful things have already been said. And in my message, I will affirm the pastor of this church. I do give honor to your district superintendent, it's an astounding, amazing accomplishment to be the superintendent of a district this large for 21 years. In the day of term limits, that is a miracle from God. It not only speaks of his integrity and character and respect to the ministry, but also of the ministry that he serves because it's a compliment to you as well. I give honor to brother and sister Varnum, brother and sister Williams, wonderful friends. The challenge of this hour is that all of us are becoming bishops. No disrespect to any political position, but I told our church when I became bishop, let me define that for you. Bishop is a high spiritual ecclesiastical biblical term that means old man. So when they start calling you bishop, that means they're seeing the gray hair and the wrinkles and the slowing down of your pace. But you know the beautiful part about all of that is we were here when we were young and we are here when we are older. And that's the highest compliment of all, to continue in the Lord. So I will say thank you to all of our guests that are here. I give honor to all of our ministers who've come to celebrate. Would you turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. Let me quickly go to the Word, and I'll try to be as concise and uh, 
cut through and yet say what I feel needs to be said at this moment. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. You may be seated. Don't start shouting yet. The message is not over. Just the context and text is over. A certain man had two sons. I want to condense all the happenings of this weekend to my title tonight. We are here in an anniversary celebration. But we really are gathered here for the celebration of a certain man. So I'll preach tonight for a few minutes on the celebration of a certain man. It's indeed a high privilege to be involved in this celebration of apostolic legacy and continuance. This church is known worldwide. You have made a difference in North America and in our world. I don't stand tonight as an official of the organization to commend you or to congratulate you, but I stand as a fellow laborer and say, you have challenged us to reach the world with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the masses that you will never meet until you get to the other side. Thank you for the hands that have gone into the harvest and the souls that have been saved. As we celebrate the history of this iconic church, I feel compelled to emphasize and to exaggerate the foundation of its success and its consistency. Notice with me Ephesians 2 and 20, usually a verse that we use in doctrinal establishment. I recently looked at it, saw something that I felt was relevant for this time. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I would like to read that again and have you to participate with me. And build upon the foundation of the apostles. Would somebody say men? And the prophets. Would somebody say men? Jesus Christ, God, and man. Would somebody say man? In other words, three out of four of the foundational elements listed that the church would be built upon would be a man. Three out of the four elements listed involve a man. An anointed, appointed man of God. I rise to preach to you. We used to say it a lot. You don't hear it that much anymore. That so-and-so has preacher religion. I tell you tonight, if you don't have preacher religion, you won't have any religion. Because God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. In an hour when the ministry is under attack, when it is being torn apart, when it is being bemoaned and bemeaned, I rise to tell you we need a revival in our church of the appreciation and the high estimation of the value of a man of God in our lives. Clap your hand and celebrate. God, put a man of God in your life. My point would be remiss not to celebrate the incredible, undeniable influence upon the storied history of blessed and apostolic revival of this church residing in the person of none other than Daniel Kyle. He is the certain man that we have come to celebrate tonight. There was a certain man. We should rise to our feet one more time and thank God that in an hour of leadership that is vacillating, wishy-washy, crowd-pleasing pacifiers that God has blessed this church with a ministry of longevity, of consistency, and certainty. 
Aren't you glad he didn't walk to the pulpit and feel which way the wind is blowing? Feel which way the money is flowing. But he comes to the pulpit with a certain voice of God. Clap your hands and celebrate that with me right now. And so we celebrate a certain man. Everybody say a certain man. Certain about who he is. Now whoever understood or thought would ever see a day that a man would need to be certain about who he is. Certain about who he is. Certain about what he is. Certain about where he is. Certain about where he's going. Certain about what he believes. One God. Jesus' name baptism. Necessity of the Holy Ghost. The new birth. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. You need to celebrate a certain man. Now the story from which we derive our text, you know God was so kind to preachers to put David and Goliath and blind Bartimaeus and, and the prodigal son in the Bible. We wouldn't have anything to preach. So this is called the parable of the prodigal son. And this story celebrates the return of a rebellious son. However, we could headline this like this, the era of the elder son because the elder son is the one that did right but he did right wrong he did right but he did right wrong he stayed home but resented both his father and his brother let me just say to you if you ever want to be used of God you need to get a good attitude about your father and you need a good attitude about your brother. If you want God's blessing on your life, you need a good attitude about your father. And you need a good attitude about your brother. Because God will not bless bitterness, resentment, strife, greed, and envy. God will not bless that. Now we could even bring attention to the unknown in this text. Mother's Day's coming, so I'll try to help some pastors here tonight. I could preach to you, and maybe you'd want to use it on Mother's Day. Whereabouts of the missing, unmentioned mother? You might want to preach on the mystery of the missing mother. Because we know, although the Bible says so, a certain man did not have two sons. I wish I could get an agreement up in here tonight. I said a certain man did not have two sons. Somewhere there was a mother. But she was so in, uninfluential. So much not a part of what was going on. She never even got mentioned in the story. So I choose rather to highlight and celebrate a certain father. With one son that's rebellious. Another son that's resentful. A wife and a mother that did not seem to be in the equation and missing from the family photo. The real hero of this story is not the return of a prodigal. The real hero is an admirable father. Because in the face of all the confusion, contradiction, and calamity, I celebrate a man who refused to sell the farm but maintained fences, painted barns, planted crops, took care of the livestock, and remained faithful, forgiving, and firmly committed without any encouragement. I don't know how many times this man of God in his private moment did not come to this pulpit with the joy and excitement that you really see on his face, but with a heavy burden in his heart. But he pulled himself together under the power of a call of God, under the power of the anointing of God, and came preach healing to you when he was sick, came preach wealth to you when he struggled, came preach blessings to you when he needed a blessing. You need to celebrate a certain man. I say he's the hero of the story. Because his conviction appeared to be. And I will show you in the story tonight 
someday my son may want to come home. And there must be a recognizable home for him to recognize when he returns. How marvelous tonight when the prodigals return, they can recognize the home that they left. I rise to preach to all of us tonight. Our prodigals don't need to come back and say, this ain't the church I left. Our prodigals don't need to come back home and say, this doesn't even look like home anymore. It doesn't sound like home anymore. It doesn't feel like home anymore. Thank God for a father who says, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to preserve it. I'm going to stand for it. And if they ever want to come back, they're going to find it on fire for God. They're going to find it in revival. They're going to find it blessed of the Spirit. I'm talking about still preaching. I'm talking about still praying. I'm talking about still praising. And by the way, if you like worship, you better do it because there's a strong element trying to shut it down. Come on, folks. We were born talking in tongues, running the aisles, dancing in the spirit. Let's not let our prodigals come back home and find home has become a refrigerator. You probably got this revelation in 1973, but let me share it with you. For years, I have heard it incorrectly sung and even incorrectly misquoted. Misquoted, incorrectly quoted. And one day I looked at the Bible. <laughs> I miss old Charlie Mahaney. Charlie used to always say, I'm going to tell you something, Turkey. His Bible spread a lot of light on them commentaries. <laughs> While we're having revival, church, I think we need to have revival. It is 9.03. Do you know where your Bible is? I'm afraid PowerPoints and screens has turned us almost into a Catholic church. You come to church and you can't hardly find the Bible in the congregation. Now, I know you got on your phone. I know you got on your iPad. But I'm saying we need a revival that will bring about a revival. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but this word will not pass away. So let me see. You may have noticed this in 1979. Let's see. So we've sung about it. We've preached about it. We have said that the prodigal in the hog pen came to himself and said, now hold on, I don't fool nobody here. You, you might get, get self-embarrassed. Stay with me now. I'm a nice guy. I don't like to embarrass people. I'm trying to help you here. That he said, I will arise and go to my father's house. That, beloved, is not in the book. But the Bible reads in Luke chapter 15, verse 18. I will arise and I will go to my father. The thing that brought that boy out of the hog pen was not the amenities of the Father's house. The thing that brought him back was a father he knew. And he said, I'm going to rise and I'm going to go to my father. Thank God for pastors that when folks leave their church, when they leave, they know they can always come home. I said, that's what's going to fill our church up, is a church that they know I can come back home. I rise to preach to you tonight that the catalyst that brought the prodigal back was not the father's house. It was the father. 
It was the Father himself. Now there's another little thing I'd like to show you. The Bible said that when the prodigal started returning, while he was yet great way off, that makes me wonder how far did that boy go. While he was yet a great way off, everybody say a great way off. He saw something coming up the lane. And I don't know how fast he was moving. But his daddy was giving it all he had. He saw his father running. So what we have here is a walking, returning prodigal and a running father. Which means the church ought to be more excited about prodigals coming home than the prodigals are. He did not, the father did not, sit on the front porch swing and say, bless God. He left the house. He knows where it's at. The Bible said he ran to his son. And I'm thinking one reason he ran, I'm going to give you two reasons. But one reason he ran is because Deuteronomy 19 says to the responsibility of the residents of refuge. There were six cities set up for refuge. That if someone that didn't mean to do it, it wasn't intentional, it wasn't in malice or hatred, but if they killed somebody, they had a refuge. They had a way of, res of rescue. Their only hope was to beat the avenger of blood to the city of refuge. Hey, the devil's out there destroying lives, and the only hope they have is to get in this city of refuge. The only hope they have is to make it here. And if you'll read that in Deuteronomy 19, the Bible said that once you become a resident of refuge, it is your responsibility to clear the roads. If you are a resident in refuge, you must keep those roads clear. They must be free from debris. They must be free from trash. All obstacles have got to be taken out of the way because when that person is running to the city, he can't be held up with a bunch of trash. On his way to the church, he can't be met with a bunch of trash. It's the responsibility of the saints of God to clear the roads. They're coming. They're coming. And we've got to make sure the trash is out of the way. Lest the avenger captures them. What God was saying is, that's going to cross up some folks right here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because some people in the church feel like they're anointed of God to make it as hard as possible for a backslider to come home. Like they've got the ministry of discouragement and the ministry of inspection. And they want to make it as hard. He told them, you make it as easy as possible. The responsibility of the church is to make it as easy as possible for folks to get in here where mercy is, where the blood is, where the word is. That's why the book says, Blessed is he that standeth not in the way of sinners. There's a lot of folks trying to get in the church, but there's folks in the way. We need to get out of the way of the sinners. Get out of their way. Be nice to your neighbor. Pay your bills. Be respectful. Don't let anybody be saved in spite of you. Let them be saved because of you. 
waiting for the sign. So they, would, they had guards at the city of refuge. And they watched the roads to the city. And when they saw a man coming, they didn't wait on him to get there. Come on. <laughs> You're going to make it. I'm going to get you here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to make sure you get. The Bible said while he was yet a great way off, the father didn't wait on him to get home. The father didn't wait on him to get cleaned up. The father didn't wait on him to get perfect. The father didn't wait on him to have all nine spiritual gifts. While he still had the stink of the pen on him, he fell on his neck. I wonder, do we have some saints here tonight that's not afraid to smell like the hog pen? It could bring a prodigal home. Let me just tell you, not every backslider is happy in the hog pen. We could have a worldwide return of backsliders if we could rebuke the devil's lies and convince them you can come home. We want you here. You're not going to embarrass us. Come on. Hey, they didn't sin against you. They sinned against him. And if he forgave them, who are we not to forgive them? If the backsliders could just find out the church has cleared the road, the church has cleared the way, there's a welcoming party ready for you. The second reason he ran is simple. He knew he had to beat his brother to him. He knew if his older brother gets there first, he'll never make it back home. And so an old man started running. An old man started running and said, I got to get there before that boy does because he's got a bad attitude. He's got a bad spirit. He don't want his brother back. To such an extent when the prodigal got home, the elder said, this thy son. He wouldn't even acknowledge him as his brother. Your son. He ran because he knew he had to get there before that spirit got there. It's a shame that we have to protect our backsliders. It's a shame that we have to keep some spirits off of them. We almost had to tell them where to sit and let the ushers bring them on down. I mean, I've had people at the Temple of Pentecost when a backslider came back after years, they said, my Lord, this building's fixing to fall in. I never thought I'd see you here again. Boy, now that's encouraging, isn't it? I say, let's get that trash out of the way. Let's get that trash out of the way. Let's get that spirit out of the way. When they walk through those doors, they need to be met with, you're an answer to my prayer. I knew you were coming. I've been expecting you. I've been praying for you. Welcome home. I celebrate a certain man. I'll quickly move on now. The Bible said when the prodigal got home, I'm telling you, there's backsliders right now that are waiting on the road to be cleared. You may have to forgive somebody, but you need to do it. It may cost you some money, but you need to do it. 
You may have to humble yourself, but you need to do it because we don't need to stand in the way of a revival, of the return of prodigals. I love this part. <laughs> when that prodigal got home, the father turned to a servant. Let's see if I don't have a verse here for that. He turned to a servant in Luke 15, 23. And this is what he said. He turned to a servant and said, And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. He didn't say go out in the field and pick us a nice fat cow. He didn't give much direction at all. He said, you know that one we've been fattening up. I want you to go get the fatted calf. And the servant had no question whatsoever. He knew exactly what calf he was talking about. He knew exactly what that man was referring to. You know why? The whole time the boy was gone, the father was going to a stall somewhere. And he'd pull one particular calf out. And he fed him every day. And he said, nobody's going to have a steak supper on you. You're being saved for the day that my boy comes back home. You're the fatted calf that I'm preparing for a return of my prodigal boy. Every day your son's backslidden, you need to be feeding a cow. Every day your girl's gone, you need to be feeding a cow. Because one day they're coming back and we're going to have a celebration. Nobody's going to eat this calf. We're saving it for the return of the prodigal. Get up in the morning. Feed your calf. Go by there in the afternoon. Feed your calf. Feed them for a day. Feed them for a week. Feed them for a month. Feed them for a year. Feed them for two years. Feed them. It doesn't matter how long, as long as they come back. Go get the fatted calf. I knew you were coming. You may be seated. I'll quickly close with this. I want to change total direction here right now just in closing. Musicians, you can come. I feel an anointing here tonight that's telling me they're coming. There's folks talking about coming back to church that you don't even think know the church is still here. They may be in a bar tonight, but they're talking about getting right with God. They may be on high drugs tonight, but they're talking about heading back to the Father's house. Somebody's got to have a calf stalled and ready to kill for a celebration. Go ahead, Mama. Get up in the morning and feed that calf. They're coming back. Go ahead, Dad. Feed that calf. They're coming back. 
Go ahead, church, feed that calf. It ain't going to be long. We're going to have a party around here. We're going to have a celebration because they are coming back. I'll stop right here. Go ahead and declare the fact that your faith is alive and that you believe they will come back. Some things preach easy, but they live hard. Many, many years ago, many, everybody say many, in the church that I was the pastor, we were blessed of the Lord to move out of the little house we were in, move into a bigger one, and we sold our old home to a young couple in the church. They didn't have all the down payment they needed, so I said, well, you know, just move in. Pay me when you can. Well, won't worry about that. Go ahead and move in. Years passed by, years passed by. The man backslid. The woman stayed in the church. She's in the church in Raleigh tonight. The man has since divorced her, remarried. One day in that in-between process before it got settled with divorce she came to me and she said brother honey I want to tell you why my husband will not come back to church I said why she said because he owes you money and he hasn't paid you and he doesn't have the money it was seven thousand dollars I said are you sure she said, oh, yeah, that's it. He's, he's humiliated. He won't come back because he owes you money. I said, see me next Sunday night. So I went to my office and I wrote a letter. Dear brother, I understand you're struggling with money that you owe me. This letter is to notify you that your debt is paid in full. You owe me nothing because I'm not going to let $7,000 put blood on my hands I'd like to say he came back but he didn't but I felt good about giving him the $7,000 I'm here to tell this church tonight what we need now in the apostolic movement more than ever before is a real, powerful, genuine baptism of the love of God. And let me say this and I'll close quickly. No matter what they say about your pastor, don't hold a grudge against them. He's not. Don't be ugly to them. He's not. No matter how mean they've been, no matter how harsh they've been, The Pentecostals of the Palm Beaches, we miss you, and we love you, and I'd love to see you in church with us Sunday. It would make everybody happy if you would just come on home. Matter of fact, we're holding off a celebration, just waiting on you to come through the doors of the church. Stand up and clap your hands and thank God as we celebrate. 
a certain man. Lift your hands and ask God to baptize you with the love of God. Fill us with the love of God so strongly that backsliders can't resist us. So strongly that they can't withhold coming back to church. Fill us with your love, Lord. And let me say this, and I will quit right here. We need to get a baptism of love that is so strong that we will love the other saints' backslidden kids like we want ours to be loved. When your backslidden friends and family come through that door, what do you want the church to do? Snob them? Neglect them? Or do you want them to say, hey, come on, sit by me. Sit beside me. Let's, I'm going to have church with you today. I am so glad you have come. Lift your hands and ask God to fill us with his love. We need a baptism of the love of God. There was a certain man that had two sons. Come on, congregation, let's reach out to the Lord right now. Somebody cry out to him. Open up your heart and your soul to God. Baptize me with your love, Lord. Baptize me with your love, oh God. Give me a love for souls. Give me a love for souls. Oh, come on, somebody, somebody, somebody. Touch him right now. Touch him right now. Touch him that he might touch you. Thank you, Jesus. Our theme this year is evangelism. We just switched gears on Wednesday night, preaching about getting a passion, a renewed passion for souls. Paul the Apostle said he was so burdened with souls that he was full of sorrow and pain. Every day he grieved for lost humanity. I've told this congregation over and over, one of my greatest appreciations to you is that you have loved my kids. That you let them make their mistakes and love them. And I believe that that's why they are all serving God, because you loved them. So I want to make a commitment to every member of this church who many of our families had backslidden sons and backslidden daughters. We commit to you tonight that we will love them and we will pray for them. No matter what they have done, no matter what their mistakes are, they will never feel a difference from us. We will always hold them tight. We will always whisper in their ear, I love you. Jesus loves you. I wonder if we can lift our hands right now and make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you do that right now? Will you commit to him? God, I will love every backslider that comes back. I will love every son and daughter as though they are my own. I will pray and cherish them. I will cover them with the mercy and the grace and the love of God. Will you tell him that right now? Will you speak that to him? We've heard from God tonight. We must be that healing balm of Gilead. We must be that city of refuge. We must clear the streets. We must remove every obstacle. We must get everything out of the way. So the lost can make their way where they belong. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord. Let's worship God in a song.
service but come on people let's not miss out on what God is saying in this congregation tonight if you've got a loved one come on we've got a revival of the backslider tonight I feel it in the atmosphere this is what God has come to move and do here tonight let him see your face let him hear your voice let him hear your cry Make your way in. Make your way in. God, I want you to see my brother. I want you to see my sister. I want you to see my mother.
that's in this place. God, help me not to give up on my loved ones. Help me not to give up on my nieces and my nephews, my parents and my siblings. Sometimes you're making your trip out to that barn to feed that calf. And you ask yourself the question, is it really worth it? Am I wasting my time? How many days over and over and over again must I make this trip to the barn? The preacher has come to encourage a mother tonight. He's come to encourage a dad, a son, a daughter, a sibling. The day is going to come. Your prayers are not going to be wasted. They're going to come to themselves. They're going to remember what you put in them. They are going to choose to suffer the afflictions with the children of God rather than the pleasures of sin for a season. Just keep feeding the calf. We have so many testimonies of those that have done it for so long. We're going to have a special prayer. Lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, every mother, every father, every son, every daughter, every sibling that has opened their mouth for a prodigal son, we pray right now from this service. My Lord, have mercy. From this service, God, go visit them wherever they are. Whether it's a ballroom or a night or their job. God, go right now. Let them know at this moment, right now, touch them. Speak to them. Bring them home. Somebody shout, bring them home. Shout it. Bring them home. Shout it. Bring them home. Shout it. Bring them home. Clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise. Come on, come on, somebody. Come on. Give God praise as though he's already done it. Praise him as though it's happening. Praise Him as though you can see it. Hallelujah. 
love you. God bless you. Thank you for honoring us tonight for the ministry. We will see you over at the cafeteria. We have a meal prepared for you, all of our pastors and wives and out-of-town guests and special guests that we've done. Make your way to cafeteria. God bless you. Church, we will celebrate Sunday. There will be a meal, meal for you on Sunday. All of the ministry, God bless you. We'll see you over there. We'll thank you over there again. We're so humbled by you coming. guests, ministers, when you exit the doors just outside of the foyer, you're going to make a right. Make a right, and that will take you directly to the cafeteria, and we have a special meal prepared for you. In fact, we have a fatted cow, not a calf, but a cow, and we already have him prepared, waiting on you. So when you exit the doors, Make a right. That will take you directly to the cafeteria. God bless you. We'll see you there in just a few moments. Again, to all of our guests, to all of our guest ministers, 
they are taking the steaks off of the grill right now, and they're actually waiting on you. The table is spread. Your steak is actually coming off the grill right now, Brother King and Brother Robinette. God bless you. Please make your way to the cafeteria. Church, you can help us give direction to our guest ministry.